You're listening to The Novice Experience, a podcast that explores the opportunities and challenges commonly encountered by students and young people. I'm Calvin Chan, and chatting with my guests, I'm going to take a deep dive into their meaningful stories, the lessons they've learned, and how they can inspire others. Let's get going. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of The Novice Experience. Today, we're going to talk about aviation and women in aviation, and I'm so happy to be joined by my friend, Caitlin Lamb. Hi, Calvin. I'm really happy to be on the show. Thanks for inviting me here. Great. I'm, I'm so glad you joined me. Uh, Caitlin is a second lieutenant in the Royal Canadian Air Cadet programs. Uh, she's been in the program for 10 years, and uh, that's where she earned her glider pilot's license and private pilot's license. Uh, and unfortunately, we didn't do our flight training t- together, Caitlin. So um, I believe I was I got my private pilot's license in 2015 and you in 2016. Mm-hmm. I was on glider that year. Right, you're right. Um, you have the glider's pilot's license that I unfortunately didn't do. Um, but that would have been so fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, glider glider planes are, are um, you know, so peaceful and quiet inside. <laughs> yes, not everybody thinks that. A lot of people are scared when I tell them I fly them. <laughs> right. Right. But yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's definitely really safe. Um, and, and it's a good skill to have to know how to glide uh, when you're actually doing your private pilot's license. Mm-hmm. A lot of the skills that like we learned on glider were really transferable to power flying. And it makes me a lot less nervous for um, like when we start planning or learning how to do engine failures and all those kinds of things, because I normally fly without an engine anyways. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for our listeners who don't know, and we're, to- we're totally geeking out now, <laughs> but uh, glide- glider planes don't have a power plant. They don't have an engine. So they have uh, extra large wings that um, could have more uh, lift and airflow. Um, and obviously lots of technique go into it to keep it in the air. Uh, whereas uh, when we do our private pilot's license, it's in a Cessna 172. There's, a, there's an engine and propeller. And so, uh, Caitlin, you're you're also studying cognitive systems at UBC, and uh, we're going to touch on you know STEM and um, you being in the field of science as well mm-hmm. um, over the course of this interview. Um, but I'd like to get my guests to start by telling us um, your origin story. So, uh, you know, what kind of experiences or defining moments you've experienced that uh, make up who you are today, and sort of where you're from. Okay, um, so I guess we can start off with um, doing cadets. I joined when I was 12 um, under the guise of a family friend who had completed his uh, glider and private pilot's licenses and kind of inspired me to do the same. So the cadet program, I was really involved in a, in a lot of things, mostly band because that was the first thing that I could do when I joined at the age of 12. And aviation was something that was reserved for the older cadets because you can't get your license until you're 16 or 17. So throughout the years, I've done a lot of aviation courses. I took the basic aviation technology and aerospace course in 2012. um, And then I did a band camp the year after that. In 2014, I did a national scholarship course um, located in North Bay, Ontario, which is about four hours north of Toronto. So we had cadets from all over Canada together to do one of two courses. The airport operations course, which is what I did. You learn about um, how the airports work both on air side, so past security, and on the other side. And there's aircraft maintenance, uh, where the cadets get to like play with um, the aircraft there, because it was held at Canada College, um, which is known for their aircraft maintenance program. The year after that, I did my glider pilot uh, course, so I got my license there in Comox, and then I did my private pilot license 
in Victoria, and then I went to France for an international air cadet exchange in 2017. Um, since then, I've been really involved with the gliding program still. I be returned to become an instructor in 2018 and 2019, and unfortunately this year nothing happened because of the whole COVID pandemic. Right, and uh, man, looking back, you you really had the full cadet experience, right? We're so lucky to, mm-hmm. you know, be be able to learn about aviation and just take part in you know all the all of these like awesome youth programs over you know all the summers, um, and definitely like in different countries and continents. That that's mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, there's really nothing else in Canada that really gives you this opportunity. So really great. Yeah, for sure. Uh, before I get into my first question, Caitlin, I'd like to do a segment with my guests called "Give Me Five. And it's sort of like a rapid fire style uh, question and answer game. Mm-hmm. And um, you can give one word answers. You can give really long answers. Uh, it's really up to you. Okay. okay. So number one, who inspires you? Who inspires me? The people around me, um, my friends who are always achieving like their own things and thriving in their own ways. What's something you could eat for a week straight? Dumplings. Oh man, I love dumplings. Like any any dumplings too. Yeah, there, I mean, there's so many different types. Um, third question: window or aisle seat? Window, definitely. Oh, me too. Me too. I love the views, but it's so hard for me to get in and out because <laughs> I'm oh, yeah, pretty you- tall. <laughs> yeah. Um, when I know we're recording this episode, um, you know, a couple weeks before. Um, but what is your favorite Halloween costume? Halloween costume. I love the ones where the parents dress up their babies as food and it's just super adorable. Oh my god, yeah. Or, or like their pets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and this one is sort of uh, more related to what we're going to talk about today, but what's one thing in aviation that innovators will achieve and have regular citizens experience in our lifetime? Whoa, that's a really deep question. Mm-hmm. Um... Anything in your imagination? <laughs> I'm hoping that like the the average citizen will be able to kind of get an understanding of what's happening when they go on their commercial flights abroad. That'd be pretty cool. All right. Yeah. I mean, just like being, uh, I mean, the, the science and the technology um, is so transparent and uh, accessible to to you know the common person that mm-hmm. they understand exactly how what you know what they're being involved with obviously um uh, when they're flying that's really cool i think it helps with like easing a lot of fears too because some people mm-hmm. are scared of flying but if you know how everything works it's actually not that bad i personally look forward to going to space when we're like super old mm-hmm. <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah we're like really old <laughs> Doesn't matter if if we end up in space or not, but at least we get to say we tried. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, great. Um, so yeah, you, you sort of touched on earlier in the origin question um, answer that uh, you know what kind of experiences you got through cadets and how you um, how you got to earning your private pilot's license. Um, how are you currently involved now? Um, I know you're a commissioned officer, and like I said earlier, you're you're a second lieutenant. Mm-hmm. Um, I went back to the cadet program and I still volunteer with a local squadron. Um, the last three years I've been involved with their training program and with the flight operations side. So organizing um, all of our field trips out to the gliding fields and 
um, the power familiarization program I was also in charge of. But because this year I thought that I'd start getting a little bit more busy with the new job, um, I handed the torch on and I'm just helping out with the administration side. Um, and outside of the regular like weekly nights, I'm pretty involved with the gliding program. So in the summers, I teach um, students from having zero knowledge and skill to getting their license. And then in the spring and the fall, we run a FAM program, a familiarization program um, for the younger kid, uh, the younger cadets age 12 or 13, getting their first flight in the glider, which is really fun. Right. And, and just to remind our listeners that most cadets get to do this free of charge. You, you, mm-hmm. Like you said, you can, we can't find this experience anywhere else in the country. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're really lucky to have experienced that. Um, Caitlin, what drew you to aviation? You know, what made you interested in flying? Because, um, you know, I know when I joined the air cadet program, I had zero knowledge of flying in aviation, but mm-hmm. it was, it was just that I was so um, interested in like physics and, um, you know, the STEM fields that, um, I decided that I'm going to go try, you know, studying ground school material and, you know, getting tested for that and then learning how to fly. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, what's your story? Um, I was honestly less interested in the theory, um, not being very like science based. I just like when, ever since I was a kid, I really like things that move. Like my parents were in the automotive industry, so I was very into cars and then just like uh, learning about getting a pilot's license, I thought that was really cool and something that I could probably get my hands on. And when I was 12 or 13 and I had my first flight in a glider, it's it's an experience that you can't get anywhere else. And it's just super addicting because you're in this tiny little plane that weighs a thousand pounds and it's flying and it's just you and the pilot and it's just peaceful. And there's like the views are so nice and there's just so much going on that like you, you just really want it for yourself and you're willing to put in four hours or sorry, four years of work um, to get that license. Yeah. You remember that like very first feeling you had when, when you got first got into a plane, mm-hmm. like uh, a small plane, not, not those commercial ones. Yeah. Cause I, I like, I can still vividly remember that feeling where it was so overwhelming. Um, seeing, you know, the, the dashboard and all the, um, uh, you know, all the different buttons and, um, uh, gauges, in front mm-hmm. like I was totally overwhelmed and I, I feel it, it felt like a daunting experience for me uh, I mean I I think I started learning to drive at the time but it, they're two completely different things yeah very much so Caitlin um, now that you've you know been through flying how has learning to fly transformed who you are um, learning to fly has allowed me to become a lot more self-aware of my actions and be able to self-reflect and think about what I can do to improve. Um, On every flight, I try to think about something that I can do better or learn a new skill or just try to be more smooth in things that I do. But one really big lesson that I took away um, from the actual glider course in 2015 was that failing is okay. Up until then, um, I had not not gotten what I wanted before. So for example, every like, you know, exam I'd passed or even if my uh, my efforts was mediocre, but for the gliding program, in order to uh, be able to fly solo, fly by yourself, you need to pass a check flight with a more experienced instructor. And I was unsuccessful in that. And it kind of like crushed me because it was just a, such a, no- a novel feeling. Um, but from that experience, I learned that feeling is okay. You know, you don't always have to be successful. I got a lot of extra help. 
and it's just really reshaped the way that I think of things like you don't always have to be successful the first time you do something and just because you aren't successful the first time doesn't mean that you won't be good at it in the future you know you just got to put a lot more effort in and like from that I've worked really really hard and um, despite a lot of um, like prejudices against women in aviation like I've, I feel like I've personally gone a lot further than what everybody anticipated um, I would in the first like on on the first impression mm-hmm. I think uh, you touched on a lot of points um, in, in that answer and, and we'll we'll go back to some of those um, mm-hmm. as we as we speak here but I just want to to follow up by asking you know what, what are the different new experiences that you get every time you fly that you're reflecting on because I find it really interesting you say that you know for a common person who may be just driving every day it's not that you learn a new skill when you're on the road or you you get a new experience um, but you mentioned that when you're flying and I it's not that I disagree with you but I want you to elaborate on uh, what are some of the experiences that are new every time you fly that you know requires you to adapt um I guess driving is a lot more simple and in in just by thinking that you know whether it's sunny out or cloudy or rainy or windy like it doesn't really change how you drive except maybe you'll drive a little bit slower if it's raining but um especially when we're flying the where the wind comes from and how strong it's blowing is super impactful on how we fly so being able to adapt to those changing conditions is super important um so for example if the wind is coming from one direction, I have to change the way that I do my takeoff and landing in order to stay um, in a straight line when we're on the runway. That's one like skill that we have to develop. Another skill that I like to think about a lot is my um, the smoothness of how I fly. So for passenger comfort, when you have cadets who are in your glider for the first time, they're undoubtedly nervous. So making it as comfortable for them as possible is really important as well. I agree. I think it's an unfair to say that driving is as uh, similar to flying because um, when you're flying um, there's so many more things that you have to be aware of Um, so not only operating the aircraft itself um, but also navigating you know looking at the map um, you know doing your estimations in your head of you know how how much longer you have to get to point from point a to point b but also you know you're communicating on the radio constantly with you know control towers and um, other pilots in the area and then you're also, um, what else? What else do we have to pay attention to when flying? I, I guess um, also there's you know conversations in, with your passengers in the aircraft if they have any concerns. Like there's a lot of human factors that go into flying that's mm-hmm. not normally uh, there when you're driving. So I totally agree with you. There, there's a lot of um, pressure, I guess, when you're in inexperienced, like when you're a beginner pilot, and um, it requires a lot of like learning every day. But uh, like you said, being open to failure, open to mistakes, and having an open mind to reflect and um, improve the improve your skills, um, that's the most important part. And I think it's a good segue into what my next question was going to be, mm-hmm. um, which is, uh, what are the transferable skills that you learn as a pilot that are most applicable in life for young people? Most applicable in life to young people. Mm-hmm. I think like one one good point you brought out is um, not being afraid of failing. Mm-hmm. I think that's so important, right? Like whether um, we're just starting out in our careers or, you know, we're navigating our academic path, 
it's okay to make a wrong decision um, or go with your gut, um, go with your gut feeling um, as you go along the way, um, because um, there is no right or wrong answer in life, I believe. Um, but it's just how you reflect on, you know, that process and that path, and then you know, not making the same mistakes again um, as you go forward. Uh, so I, I really like that answer. So what, what do you think? Um, I think one thing is being able to take feedback. Um, you, mm-hmm. Of course, when you're flying or doing anything, you want to be putting your best self out there. And sometimes people might not agree with the way that you've done things. So being able to be receptive to that feedback and have a discussion about um, why you did, uh, like the decisions, um, sorry, the factors that like led up to you making the decision to do a certain thing versus what some what a more experienced pilot may be thinking instead is really important. And also um, a second skill that I think is really important is also being able to just buckle down and do things even when you don't necessarily want to. It's a lot of like checklists and procedures that we have to do um, when we're flying. And sometimes we have to do flights with other people that we don't we aren't particularly excited about, but everything is like everything that we do shapes who we are. And I think that it's really important to be able to just um, sit down and not like take anything personally and then just move on after the fact. Mm-hmm. And Caitlin, you mentioned women in aviation earlier on in your answer. And I know you're a strong advocate for, um, you know, healthier gender balance um, in this field. Um, would you mind quickly sharing, you know, how, how you're involved um, recently, you know, with organizations to promote the cause? Mm-hmm. Um, I have a friend who uh, introduced me to the 99s. They're an international organization of women pilots. Um, it's a volunteer organization mostly. Um, and I was very inspired by the stories that I've heard from them. Um, every meeting, we kind of introduce ourselves, what we've been doing and what we've been up to since the last time we met. And it's just crazy to think about you know, how many of us are sitting in a room that have our pilot's license because it's such a contrast to what I'm typically used to. On the gliding field in cadets, in general, it's mostly male-dominated. Um, not that I personally have an issue with it because most of my friends are guys anyways, but I find that it can be a barrier for people who are looking to join our program, right? Um, if you don't see people who look like you or think like you or talk like you, it can be very daunting to join that organization because you're not really sure how you're going to fit in with everybody else. Um, so yeah, um, I only recently joined the 99s, but I've been really, really enjoying my time with them so far. Great. Thank you for sharing that. And I, I totally agree with you that, um, you know, there's no, not necessarily like a tangible barrier there, but I think that, um, you know, as someone who who comes from the engineering field, that's also male dominated. I feel like there's always this stereotype or um, I don't know if stigma is the right word, but um, you know, just the overall perception of what a particular field is um, based on, you know, historic, you know, gender numbers that can be a barrier for you know new people to get in, you know, women. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I I totally agree with you that um, you know not all barriers are are tangible or you know, observable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm glad you brought that up because uh, I was doing some research um, prior to the podcast. Um, there's a 2019 study conducted by the FAA uh, Aeronautical Center. And for those who don't know, FAA is the Federal Aviation Administration in the States. 
Um, and the, I mean, I, I retrieved the statistics on the Women in Aviation International website. That's WAI.org. Um, and they did uh, the 2019 study to so that um, they did sort of like a number of women in the aviation field. So for pilot alone, so that's students, um, recreational license, private license, commercial or air transport licenses, uh, and flight instructors. Um, in 2019, 7.9% of all pilots are female. Um, and in 2010, 6.73%. In 2000, 5.69%. So over the course of 20 years, that's been uh, there's been more than 17,100 more women uh, in the piloting groups, mm-hmm. uh, like I mentioned. But they also did a study on non-pilots. So that includes, you know, mechanics, ground instructors, dispatchers, and flight attendants. And the numbers are, are better. So, um, you know, in 2019, it was 30.2% female. Um, in 2010, 21.85%. In 2000, uh, 3.02%. So there's a huge jump within, I think it was like 2004, 2005. But mm-hmm. um, this has been, you know, there's been rapid growth in the non-pilot categories, um, you know, just under 200,000 um, more females over the 20 years. So, um, I mean, like I, like growing up, I always had the stereotype in my head where, you know, flight attendants are mostly female, mm-hmm. but pilots are mostly male. So like, like, like you said earlier, when you mentioned barriers, that that's sort of like the stereotyping comes in, yeah. um, where people are more attracted to maybe one, uh, one field more over the other. But, um, Caitlin, what can organizations and corporations do to promote a healthier gender balance in aviation? I think meaningful community outreach is really important. Um, more recently, there's been a lot of events uh, such as Girls Flight 2, um, where a bunch of different organizations will come together and then well, they'll do introductory flights for uh, younger girls. Or um, the Flight Forward event in Squamish, we do the same thing where we take younger girls up on their first flight and just being in an environment where you can see lots of people, lots of other women who are um, flying and achieving us um, the things that their male counterparts can achieve is really inspirational. Um, I I have noticed that sometimes companies will go above and beyond and post a lot of photos of women in you know these kinds of positions, and I'm not necessarily sure how um, reflective of it is in their um, actual like day to day operations. But I guess it's a step. I think, but going back to like. To answer your question, I think just having that presence is really important. Having someone to talk to, to guide you, to mentor through you, um, through your whole journey is really important. Right. I totally agree. I, like, again, speaking from the engineering field and more of a, you know, corporate hiring and human resources issue, um, I, I think that um, sometimes um, promoting equality and diversity in general in the workplace um, could be could involve a lot of showmanship. Uh, I think, you, you know, if you go to like a hiring website, you might see, you know, people of color or more women, um, you know, people with disabilities, but um, you don't really notice the, um, their advocacy for diversity and every anywhere else on, you know, a company's website. And I think that it's important where um, organizations actually make an effort, like you said, to reach out. Um, you know, the outreach is so important where you're actually contacting, uh, proactively contacting, uh, you know, women and um, just breaking down the stereotypes that 
are in particular fields of work probably and um but also seriously considering them for promotion and um you know for position open positions that um could create a healthier gender balance in the workplace and and you know we've we've all done you know projects at school and i've always appreciated the the gender balance issue be, uh because uh it's just i feel like the dynamics are better in the mix of personalities and the diversity um really helps with you know the project results and you know helps with conflicts and stuff on a so that's more of a micro level but um i've always appreciated the fact that you know there's a good gender mix so caitlin to to end off the interview um what's one advice you'd give to other women aspiring to be pilots or to work in other facets of aviation um you know such as you know engineering or you know mechanics um working in the control towers and so on mm-hmm. Um, I think the advice that I would give is to find someone who is like you in the industry already and ask them for advice. Um, it's really important to have social support in anything that you do and having someone to be able to guide you through everything is extremely helpful and it eases a lot of fears that you and anxiety that you might have looking at a job or, or a new hobby or whatever it is that you're going into it, uh, for aviation. And on the other side, as someone who has mentored, it's super, it's it's a great feeling to be able to say that you helped influence somebody to jump into the industry with both feet, you know? Um, if, if I can diverge into a little bit of a story um, with the whole Glide nice. program, before I um, joined, right before I entered the course for the Glider course, somebody who had joined before me said that, um, typically Asian uh, girls are given the more experienced instructors because they have a tendency to do poorly. And with that kind of mentality going into the course, I knew that I had to work double as hard as everybody else in order to be able to be successful in the course. But as an instructor, knowing that they've, the, the cadets who are coming up on the course probably have heard that themselves. It was um, important for me to be able to say, hey, look, I'm here. I made it like, you know, five years ago. I'm an instructor now. If I can do it, you can do it too. And then just building that connection from there is super important in everything that you do. Mm-hmm. I really like that story. And I think that, um, you know, passing on the torch is such an important thing in the industry where, um, you know, in aviation, people look up to each other. Mm-hmm. And so once once you become experienced and, you know, you've you've sort of been the trailblazer for whatever you're doing, it's important to inspire a younger generation to, you know, take your former positions and really inspire them to, you know, break through on some of the challenges that they experience in society, but also um, any inner doubts um, that would come with trying to achieve something that may not be, you know, in the norm or, um, you know, breaking down stereotypes. So I really agree with uh, what you said. Um, Caitlin, is there, is there a social media, um, that you like to share with our listeners so, so they can find you or, um, would you like to share any organizations or initiatives that you're a part of that, uh, our listeners can, um, go find? I'm sure my Instagram handle is Caitlin X Lamb. Um, I guess the spelling will, will come with wherever this podcast is being posted. Um, if you are 12, between the ages of 12 and 18 you should definitely join the air cadet program i do not regret my time at all i know a lot of cadets are like or kids are forced into it by their parents but i really really enjoyed my program and i sincerely believe that 
it was a huge factor in like building me to become who I am today. Um, so join cadets. Um, whether you choose aviation, like the air cadets, the army cadets, or the sea cadets is totally up to you. But as an organization, you really learn a bunch of skills that you can't get anywhere else. And obviously, as you've heard in the beginning of this podcast, a lot of opportunities. Um, and if you are thinking about, if you're a little bit older and are thinking about getting into aviation as a, uh, as a girl, um, the 99s has a lot of scholarships that we offer for both ab initio pilots and um, experienced pilots. So there's a lot to go around and I would be happy to meet anyone in either organization. Great. Love it. Caitlin, thank you so much for joining this podcast and sharing your experiences in aviation and for your advocacy for women in aviation. Mm -hmm. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun talking to you. All right. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Novice Experience, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Novice Experience. Our theme song is Concrete Jungle by Audio Binger. You can find us or reach out on social media at The Novice Exp. That's The Novice EXP. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on all your podcast listening platforms. Talk to you next time.